I think there's enough confusion around what it means to follow Jesus in 2021. And there was plenty of confusion in Jesus' time as well on what it means to follow him. Because we have three encounters here of people who have interactions with Jesus and they think they know what it means to follow him. And they think they, they, they have a, a, a picture in their mind and they think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow this guy. I'm going to see what this is all about. But even then, there were misconceptions about what it meant to, to follow Jesus and to be a Christian, even in Jesus' day, right? And I think now more than ever, this is applicable and something that we need to know, you know, uh, what, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And why is it so confusing sometimes? And why is it that it's, it's different depending on who you ask, what it means to follow Jesus? Well, we've got three interactions here. And what's interesting is that Jesus doesn't accept these people like we think he would. Jesus is a lot more cautious with his words, and it's almost like Jesus knows how to close a door when he's interacting with someone just as much as he knows how to open a door. And so he, these interactions are, are very wise that Jesus has, and he chooses his words very carefully, um, and he tells them each exactly what they need to know about what it means to follow Jesus. In verse 57, uh, Jesus describes this first encounter. Somebody comes up to him and he says, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus doesn't even ask him to follow me. He just says, I'm down. I'm going to follow you wherever you go, Lord. At this point in Luke, Jesus' name is, is spread pretty far around Israel. And everybody knows him, as, knows him as the miracle man, right? The guy, all this exciting and fun stuff is happening around this guy. So this was probably a regular occurrence for Jesus, Right? Everybody is really excited and the whole world has been turned on its side. Right? They're like, have you seen this guy? He's coming, he's exercising demons from people who are, who are bound up by the devil and he's healing the sick and he's showing the Pharisees who's boss and he's just awesome. Everybody's like talking about this guy. I'm sure all the time people came up to him and you know, were total fanboys. I'll follow you wherever you go, Lord. But there's something deeper here because Jesus has a really interesting response to this man. He says, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus doesn't say, all right, great, you know, join the pack. I guess 13 is okay. He doesn't say that. He says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Why is it that when, when this man says, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm in, Lord. I'm in to follow you wherever you go. Jesus replies with a, with a strange kind of response. He's saying, you don't understand. You might think that, I'm, I'm this, you know, that it's this glamorous lifestyle to follow me because there's miracles and there's amazing things happening and God is working in people's lives. But he says, don't be misunderstood. I have nowhere to go. I am not returning home to my mansion. Right? We're not going to do, uh, I'm not going to fly home in my private jet. Jesus is almost telling him, this walk is a lot less glamorous than you think. It's a lot less glamorous than you think. The reason why that is so interesting to me is because oftentimes the gospel is sold to people as this glamorous addition to your life. Right? I, I remember one time I was uh, watching uh, TBN. Do people watch that out over here? I don't know. It was in Utah. Uh, Trinity Broadcasting Network in this like huge mega church, like the biggest church in, in America, like... Uh, the pastor's wife comes out on stage and she's like, I want you all to think about being a Christian, but don't do it for God. 
do it for you. Do it for you. Because you deserve it. And I was like, what a strange message this is. Like, do you not understand that once you become a Christian, it's almost like life gets harder? It, it, it's not this glamorous thing. It's not like all of your problems are going to get fixed, right? People like to say, when you become a Christian, it's like a country song in reverse. You get your wife back, you get your truck back, you get your dog back, right? <laughs> Sometimes that's not always true. And I think, I can speculate, that's what this man believes about what it means to follow Jesus. That all of his problems are going to go away. And that everything is this magic fix once you, once you accept the gospel. Here's why that's a really dangerous thing to believe. We do altar calls sometimes. Uh, other Different types of Christians do things differently, right? But, you know, uh, what we like to do, we like to say, you know, if anybody wants to accept Jesus for the first time, you know, raise your hand and we'll pray for you. And it's kind of this, like, really intimate moment. And I remember having that moment as a kid, like, butterflies in your stomach. I know God is speaking to me, and I know he's calling me to surrender my life to Jesus and walk with him. And so, I, you know, I raise my hand, I walk up and, you know, say a prayer with somebody. Yes, Lord, I accept you. And then the next day happens, and life is still hard. I am not instantly transported to the kingdom of heaven with Jesus, and it's not all cookies and ice cream with him. Life is still hard. And if people believe that once you accept the gospel, all of your problems are going to go away, that's a huge issue. And I've actually spoken with people that said, I tried that Christian thing. I tried it because people told me that everything was going to get so much better and my life was still hard. Listen to this. If you accept Jesus and you're willing to answer his call, this is just after he says in, in Luke, if you come after me, you must bear your cross and die to yourself daily. This is just after that message that Jesus is saying this in Luke chapter 9. If you're willing to accept that call, and you take a radical approach to the sin in your life, and you say, I want to eradicate sin out of my life and follow Jesus, I guarantee you things in your life will get better. Because sin is destructive, and it kills, and it destroys everything in your life. So I do promise you, if you decide to follow Jesus, and you decide to eradicate sin from your life, you will have healing. Things will get better. Your marriage will get better. Your interactions with people will get better. Your interactions with your children will get better. You interact, you'll be a better servant at work, right? Because you've eradicated sin from your life and you're choosing to accept the call Jesus has given you to bear your cross and die daily. But life is still going to be so hard. And now you have an enemy that you've created, the devil. If you've decided to follow Jesus and if you've decided to answer his call and make an impact in the world for the kingdom of God, now you've just made a very powerful enemy because before you were on his team and now you've decided to join Jesus' team. And now suddenly you have to worry about something you didn't have to worry about before, spiritual attacks. The devil hates you. He doesn't want to see you going on a journey with Jesus, telling other people about the mission, telling other people about the gospel. I promise you, if you become a Christian, the eradication of sin in your life will be an awesome, amazing healing process and will bring you closer to the Lord and will change you and your family forever. But you've made a very real enemy and life is still so difficult as a Christian. But here's the good thing. A relationship with Jesus is greater than the glamour. A relationship with Jesus is greater than the glamour. It's greater than your dream house that a mega pastor promised you that you would accept if you became a Christian. 
or your own private jet, whatever. A relationship with Jesus is greater than the glamour. What do I mean by that? Sometimes God does not deliver you out of the storm that you're in because he wants to walk with you through it. And it's during those times where you just wish, Jesus, I just wish all of this would go away. I wish the gospel was this pill that I took and everything was magical and everything was perfect. It's during those times when you're walking through that storm and you have a relationship with Jesus that he teaches you the most about the kingdom of heaven. Those times where you are the most distraught, your entire life is crumbling around you. A loved one just committed suicide. Your marriage is crumbling. Your relationship with your, with your kid or your, your son or your daughter is on the rocks and you have no idea what to do to help. During those times, a relationship with Jesus is greater. It is better to walk through the storm with Jesus than it is to be delivered out of the storm without him. I promise you that. Be encouraged. A walk with Jesus isn't as glamorous as some people will try to tell you it is. But a relationship with him is so much richer and deeper. And it's during those times where you will learn so much about the kingdom of heaven. And your intimacy and relationship with Jesus will grow the most. If you've ever talked to somebody, like I remember when we, we went on this mission trip in high school, literally every single thing we did on this mission trip went wrong. We had five different vehicles that we took, right? A bus, a van, a truck, a Sequoia, and a boat. All five of them ended up breaking at some point during the trip. My friend was like driving the pastor's vehicle. He's like, hey, you can drive. And he like hands him the keys. He's like, meet us over here. He's like, okay. And then like as we're parking, he sideswipes a cop car. <laughs> I'm sitting there in the passenger seat. I'm like, I, I think you just hit that car. He's like, no, no, -uh, mm -mm, I didn't, right? Yeah, it, it was pretty bad. I, thought, I actually thought Jared was going to kill us, and he just laughed. He looked at it, and he laughed. It's like, wow, the one time Jared could actually kill us, and he, he just laughed. So it was awesome. What's the point of that? That whole trip, we had nothing but, like, terrible things happen to us on our day where we finally got a break from building this house, and we were going to go spend it, like, at the beach. There, there was, like, a class five storm or whatever, and, no, like, nobody could go outside. We're like, one thing after another, just terrible things happening. And we got back. People were like, how was the trip? Oh, it was so terrible. It was awesome. <laughs> it was so bad. Everything wrong. Like, everything bad happened, but God used it in such a cool way, and it was the best trip we've ever had. And there was so, like every single turn, something bad happened. But it was during that trip, like the God, God used so many um, of those bad situations to enrich our relationship with him and to do so much for the kingdom while we were there. It's so incredible. So don't be confused. Jesus wants to walk through the storm with you, right? And glamour is not worth the relationship with Jesus. Let's look at verse 59. To another, he said, Follow me. But, Jesus, but he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. So this guy is a little bit different. Jesus actually turns to him and calls him and says, follow me. The first guy was just like, hey, I'll follow you. But this guy, Jesus looks at him and he says, follow me. He reaches down, he stoops to his level, he looks in his eyes and says, follow me. And how does this guy respond? Lord, let me first, let me first Go bury my father. And that sounds really reasonable, right? You're reading that, you're like, oh, let this guy go like, mourn with his family. Let him go bury his father. Jesus, what's wrong with you? 
we don't really understand this because of a cultural gap here, but it, it's traditional for, uh, for a son to like, wait until his father has passed away so that he can bury his father. His father's not dead at this moment. He wants to go home and stay home for a lengthy period of time. And then he wants to go and follow Jesus once everything at home is, is wrapped up in nifty. When everything in his life is ready, then he wants to go and follow Jesus. This guy wants to follow Jesus on his own terms. He's not ready. First, Lord, let, let me go. First, let me go take care of this. I don't know about you guys, but I've, I've told God that before. First, Lord, let me fix myself. Let me, let me take care of some stuff, Jesus, before I answer that call. I got a lot of stuff going on right now. So let me just go and like powwow with myself for a couple of months and, and, and get some, you know, I'll go to some expensive therapy or something. And then I'll come to you, Lord. Then I'll come to you after I get everything figured out. Or my life is just so good right now, Lord. When, when everything is terrible, then I'll come to you. Right? Have you ever prayed that prayer before? I think a lot of people have. Lord, I'll come to you when everything is terrible. How many times do we just like reach out to, like our souls are just being poured out to God and everything's perfect in our life? Probably never. It's usually when everything is falling apart, when we're like, Lord, I need you. Lord, first let me go. The problem with this guy, he doesn't want to give Jesus priority in his life. He wants to take care of other things before he answers the call of God. I think in 2021, a lot of people think that we can follow God on our own time and on our own terms. Okay, Lord, I'll, I'll do this Christian thing. I'll do this Christian thing on Sunday mornings for two hours. Maybe. And then the rest of this time is, is for me, okay, God? This is for me. Is that ever in the, in the Bible? Like, <laughs> you're a Christian for this amount of time, for two and a half hours on a Sunday? Maybe. And then the rest of the time is you? Like, that's your time? That's not the calling that Jesus gives us. We think we can follow God on our own terms. But I tell you, it is impossible to follow Christ on our own terms. It is impossible to follow Christ on our own terms. Another story about Belize, because it's such a gnarly place. One day we're, uh, this, this was a different trip down there. Uh, the pastor that we go with really likes to rent golf carts and go on this island and do like a cruise through the jungle in these golf carts. And I remember one time, we're like, I'm in the cart like right behind him. Uh, there's some other people driving. I was in the back and somebody's like, oh, there's a, there's a little crocodile in the jungle. And I get off of the cart and I'm like, oh, what's going on? I, I get my phone and I'm like, you know, I want to get a really good picture of this crocodile looking thing, whatever. And I take one step and there's like a bunch of quicksand that goes all the way up to like my thigh and I'm like in the mud and the problem with that stuff it's not like from the movies but it suctions you in so I'm trying to get out and everybody's like come on Austin we're loading up the golf carts and I'm like no wait like I'm literally I can't get up I couldn't choose then to follow my pastor on my own terms it was either get out or get left behind in the jungle there's no, I'm going to halt everything so that you guys can wait for me to sort this out because I want to do this. I wanted to go do something else in the jungle, right? What happened to me? I got trapped and I was in danger of like being claimed by the jungle, right? It was actually a real big bummer. I pulled my foot out finally and had a huge cut on the bottom of my foot and I had like some weird parasites. No, just kidding. But 
We think we can follow Jesus on our own terms. But what happened to me when I decided, no, I'm going I'm to follow myself. I'm going to do this thing that I want to do. You can't follow Jesus on your own terms. You can't follow Jesus on your own time. What does Jesus respond to him? Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, this calling that I'm giving you is right now. It's right now. It's not whenever you feel like it or when everything gets resolved in your life. It's right now. The gospel is a change in priority for our lives. It's not something we can add on to it later. This is what Matthew says. Uh, this is what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 23. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Everything else. Everything else. If you write out a list of priorities for you, right? Uh, work is a priority. Being a good parent, being a good husband or wife. Just things I got to do. These are my priorities. Jesus says the gospel is number one. Seek first the kingdom of God. Not first something else. And I promise you this. That sounds really intrusive, Jesus. That sounds like you really want me to do a lot here. You want me to put everything in my life aside and put you first? That's a big ask. If you put anything else first, it'll ruin the rest of your list of priorities. I promise you that. If you make anything else in this world number one, if you make that your God, if you make that the thing on the top of your list, everything else on the bottom is going to start deteriorating and grumbling. Only God can be number one. And when you put Jesus first, you'll start to see the rest of these things align properly. Man, when I put Jesus first, when I crucify my flesh, I'm a lot better of a husband. Huh. <laughs> Maybe I will do the dishes instead of just be grumpy and throw something at the wall. I don't know. That's not a real story. <laughs> when we put Jesus first, Bella, <laughs> don't tell them anything. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> when we put Jesus first, all of our other priorities start to do better. And when we decide, first, God, I'm going to do this, that's when things fall apart. This man had a hard time understanding that the gospel is a change in priority. In, uh, priority. in 2020, this happens all the time. How do we try to follow God on our own terms? Well, just like, just like we talked about, we don't prioritize God. We prioritize other things instead of him. And what else do we do? We choose not to obey God when he makes it clear what's sin and what's not sin. When we choose what is sin and what's not sin, when we choose to identify, like, I, I'm not going to call that sin. I know God calls that sin, but I'm not going to call that sin. That is when we're not prioritizing the gospel in our life. What are some of the other excuses that we give God? I don't want to invest and that young guy at my church, because I just don't have too much time. Right? I don't have enough time. Right? I need me time. Or if I say yes to God, that's going to hinder my, my career plan. If I say yes to God right now, that's going to change you know, my, my five-year plan that I have, that I want to do. Have you ever said, given that excuse to God? Or work is really taking off. I don't have time to go to church. There's so much to do with the office. There's so much going on. I don't have time for God. What about 
If I send my kid to youth group, it's going to interfere with sports. If I go to church, it's going to stop me from watching the game. Have you ever had that conversation with God? If Jesus is on the top of our list, suddenly everything else begins to benefit. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Verse 61. Yet another man said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me say farewell to those at my home. I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go say farewell to those at my home. Jesus replies to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Ouch. Jesus is not very seeker friendly, is he? He's like, all these people want to follow him and he's like, there's some things you don't understand. First, let me tell you how it really is, right? No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. How many of you have ever like plowed a field with a, with a horse or a donkey? Probably not very many of us, right? But what's going on here? Jesus is saying, if, if you look back, how are you going to plow a straight line? You can't plow a straight line if you're looking back the entire time. I, we don't know very much about this man, but we know he wants to look back. He wants to look back at his home. He wants to go back. But I think Jesus knows if he goes back, he will never follow him. If he goes back, he's going to miss out on what God has called him. He's going to get distracted. He's going to get caught up in the things back here, and he's never going to answer the call if he looks back. This is not that type of walk. The walk that Jesus has for us is not the kind of walk where we look back. That's not the type of walk this is. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, I have a plan for you. I have a plan for you. But it's up here, and it's not back here. What are the things that are back here? What are the things in our lives that are, that are back here before we met Jesus? What are the things back home, the thing that this man is longing for and refusing to give up? What are the things back here? Our sinful lifestyle before we met Jesus. Those are the things back here. Our old friends that refuse to accept Jesus, that just want to keep doing what they're doing, where maybe Jesus has shown you the, the truth, he's revealed to you the truth, but you've got this whole other friend group here that doesn't want to stop partying on the weekends. What about guilt from sins that you've committed? That's back here. When you look back here at all the guilt that you have, maybe of your, your, maybe of your past, maybe terrible things. Jesus says, don't look back. It's not about what's back here. I have a plan for you. I want to walk with you. Let's go forward and don't look back. Or what about trauma from sins others have committed against us? That's back here. Again, Jesus is saying, don't look back. I don't, you don't understand, Austin. I'm really screwed up. Someone did a really terrible thing to me. Jesus is saying, I know. Let's go. I have a plan for you. Let's walk together. Let's go through the storm. I have a plan. I have things for you. That's back here. It's gone. It's been pinned to the cross. It's gone. This kind of walk is not something you can begin on Sunday and turn back on Monday. That's not this kind of walk with Jesus. There is no such thing as walking with Jesus part-time. 
He has a plan for you. He wants to go forward with you. He says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. There are exciting things that God has for you. He wants to change people's lives through you. Hebrews 3, uh, verse 7 says this, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Don't look back. Walk with Jesus. I don't know where all of us are this morning. Um, I really don't like when, when people who have the microphone assume that everybody's doing well. I feel like that's such a disservice to uh, humans that are living real life. <laughs> Some of us in here might be seriously going through something or seriously dealing with hurt or seriously deciding if we want to look back or keep walking with Jesus. You have no idea what somebody is dealing with when they walk through the door of a church. So I just want to encourage each and every one of you this morning that even though a walk with Jesus might not be glamorous, a relationship with him is so much richer and deeper. It doesn't matter what you're going through. He wants to walk with you. He wants to show you things tenderly about the kingdom of God and what it means to be a follower of Christ. And it doesn't matter if you have a lot of things in your life that are, that are priority for you, that are things stressing you out or, or bogging you down. Jesus says, make me first, and you'll see everything else will fit in its place. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with. Jesus says, make me first, and watch everything else fall into its place. And I don't know if you're struggling with the past, if you're struggling with something that someone's done to you or something that you've done, if you're struggling with maybe wanting to return to a lifestyle before Jesus, I want to encourage you. God has so much richness for you. He has so much richness for you to walk in. But it's up here. It's not back here. Jesus has nailed all your sins to the cross. Everything's gone. What are his final words on the cross? It is finished. And now he has a plan for you and a walk that he wants to go on with you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for everybody in here and thank you for your word um, that even though it's, it's challenging, even though it doesn't seem to make the most sense, Lord, that you would warn these people about what a walk with you is before, uh, before they decide to sign up. I pray, Lord, that, that your scripture would just sink into our hearts this morning and that you would give us comfort and guidance on what it means to walk with you, Lord even if we're struggling, even if we want to look back, even if we have other priorities, Lord, even if we were confused about what this means in the first place to follow you. Make us dedicated and faithful followers of you, Lord. And I just pray that you make us saints. Help us cling to your promises of scripture, Lord. In Jesus' name. Let's go ahead and stand as we sing this last song. You know, I was listening to Austin teach through that, and um, there's some challenging words in that message right there, right? I don't know if you thought about this, but who do you challenge? You 
challenge people that you care about for the most part. There's not parents out at the park that are like, hey, strange kid, like, try to do this. Uh, no, you challenge your kids because you believe in them and you think they can do it. You know, my kid's scared of the monkey bars. I think you can do it. Let's try it. Let's try it again. I know you fell off last time. Let's try it again. Uh, and so as you hear maybe a challenge this morning, don't take that as God is mad at you. Take that as God loves you. And there's a great possibility that he actually wants more for your life than you even want for yourself. And so um, I had another song planned uh, to finish with, but I think I'm going to circle back around to uh, a song that we sang earlier. And the bridge says this. It says, I'll get out of the way when you're moving. And maybe there's somebody here who heard a challenge and they're standing in the way. And so we're going to spend some time right now, maybe a minute or two in prayer. And I challenge you to ask God that question. Is there areas that I'm in the way? Is there something you're trying to do that I won't get out of the way? I'm trying to fix it myself. I'm trying to be too busy. I'm trying to find meaning and purpose in my own life apart from you. I'm not seeking you first. I don't know. Holy Spirit does. And that's why we pray. Amen. Let's spend some time in silence just praying to God right now. Father, I just ask that you be gracious and kind and reveal areas of our hearts that maybe we're standing in the way. Maybe this morning, this challenge is for us and our good, Lord. Just speak to our hearts right now. And Father, I pray that this morning, um, your people heard from your word to accomplish your purposes. I pray that you would give us the gift of repentance and obedience and clarity as we walk out, as Austin challenged us, that we would not hear your voice and harden our hearts, uh, but we would be receptive and responsive and uh, enjoy the fruits of repentance, Lord. Do that in our hearts, Lord. We desire to be a people who are listening to you, seeking your face, hearing your voice, walking in your freedom, and being a light to this world. And we ask these things in your mighty and precious name. Amen.